Hi friends, great to be here again with you. Let's pray. God, as we just take a, a moment to pause, as we now uh, look to the Old Testament, and especially as we're uh, continuing our journey of uh, discovering who our, our unexpected heroes are in, uh, in the Bible, Lord, lead and guide us, help us to learn from them that we may be able to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, great to be with you again, everybody. Uh, glad to be here. So, today's story comes from the book of Samuel. And uh, who was Samuel? Well, Samuel was a major prophet uh, who helped shape, literally, uh, Israel. And uh, one of the beautiful things, though, is how he came about. His mother, a faithful woman, desired to have a child. In fact, it goes back to in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, there was a, a certain man from Mammothiam, a Zuphite, a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah had not just one, but two wives. <laughs> and uh, Penina, and Penina was one who had children. His other wife, Hannah, did not. And every year, they would go to the temple in Shiloh and give, give their sacrifices year after year, and there to worship the Lord. And yet what we find is that uh, when every year as well, he would give portions of meat for, to his wife Penina, to her sons and her daughters, so she had multiple kids. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Now, unbeknownst to, or not unbeknownst, but this caused a rift because Penina, for sure, must have seen that Elkanah loved Hannah, if not just as much, even more, because he would always shower her with gifts and especially with a double portion of meat. Unfortunately, this caused a rift between the two women. Penina would regularly bully Hannah for the fact that she could not have kids. In verse 6 it says, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and she would not eat. It was to a point where Hannah had been bullied for so long that yet what is interesting, however, it doesn't say that she would respond in kind. Her husband, Elkanah, would say, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? You know, I love Hannah because of the way she handled things with grace. Interestingly enough, she never complained to Elkanah. And even the criticism that she experienced, uh, she didn't, uh, she was faithful. And yet she as well, she showed a willingness, a, a, a desire, and, and she showed her love for God. Remember in verse 7 it says, year after year, in her faithfulness, she continued to be faithful to God. Whenever they went up to the house of the Lord, again, her rival would provoke her. But it didn't stop her from going to worshiping and as well in her walk with God. And now, as it continues in verse 9, as they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up, and Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the house, Lord's house. And Hannah, 
in her deep, as, as verse 10 says, deep, deep anguish. She prays to the Lord. In fact, almost bitterly, weeping bitterly, she made a vow. She makes a promise to God. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Despite all the hardship, despite all the pain and challenges, Hannah prays a very, very bold prayer. A prayer like any other, that if you give me a son, I'm going to dedicate him to you. And she speaks from a, a place in her heart where there has been deep pain, deep anguish, but yet she has faith. She brings her toils. She is real with God. This wasn't a prayer where she's asking for this or for that, you know, nonchalantly. She is praying from the depths of her soul, from the, from the pains of her stomach, from her the very, very foundation of who she is. And there's a couple of things that we can take from this. Number one is she brings her desires and her concerns to God. Obviously, she desires a child, and, and probably, really, she, she really wants a son. And yet, she shares this, this depth of pain, and she tells she's open and honest with God. And yet, as we find, too, is <coughs> God is faithful. God will give her a son. Later on, we find in chapter 2, uh, she, she gives thanks, she praises, and she adores who God is. How often in our prayers do we focus on the praise and the adoration of God? Many times I think we find ourselves, especially during these times right now, uh, we're, we're certainly praying for things that we need or our concerns. But yet, when do, how often do we begin our prayers with praise and thanks and adoration? It's far more easier to focus on the negative and what we need. But yet we forget. We sometimes stop to pause and give thanks to God. And so as a reminder as well, when if you read chapter 2, there's a huge section where Hannah prays this prayer of adoration and of thanksgiving and recognizes who God truly is, that God is truly the center, the God of not just the world, but this whole universe. And so much so that as she continues, she has so much faith that God will grant her a son. It requires a tremendous amount of faith on her part. I, you know, there's a story I remember of, and I, I remember this happening. It was January 1, uh, I think it was 1996. Northwestern, at the time, I think it was, and maybe still today, the smallest... Um, the smallest school in the Big Ten. It's, it's a conference in the NCAA football. And yet it's also one of the most rigorous schools in the country. Uh, Coach Barnett, Gary Barnett, had a dream and a vision to not only make sure that these young men can play well, but they can excel. And they found themselves January 1, 1996 at the Rose Bowl. Somebody, most people, probably wouldn't have even believed that they would be in this place a year ago. But yet, Coach Barnett had a vision. 
He had faith. In fact, so much so that uh, People Magazine reported that uh, he ordered a Tournament of Roses flag, and not only that, a rose to be placed on his desk, not only as a reminder for himself, but as well for every player, for every coach, every staff member to remember what the vision was and the plan for this year. Amazingly as well, against all odds, they ended up playing USC. Kicker, the, the, one of the kickers, Sam Valenstizzi, uh, he said at the very first meeting, he told us what we needed was belief without evidence. And he asked, do you know what that is? And he simply responded with the word faith. Now, they got to the Rose Bowl and they played their hearts out. Because I remember this, I was, I was in Encinitas uh, at my aunt and uncle's place and watching this game, and it was a good game. Unfortunately for Northwestern, they didn't prevail. USC, they beat them. But the belief of going from uh, just a normal school to being a contender, to winning the Big Ten, and then playing at the Tournament of Roses, that is one of the most uh, revered uh, places to play, especially if you're a college student. Coach Barnett saw the bigger picture. And yet we also find that Hannah wasn't just any kind of mom. She was a faithful mom. Remember, at verse 7, they went year after year, regularly going to the temple in Shiloh to pray, to give, to honor, and to worship God. And as she went up, she was also, uh, she was faithful to her family. After God gives her a son, she's faithful and, and, and takes care of him. And finally, when it was that point, she takes her son to Samuel and places his care in, uh, in, in the temple's hands. Now in verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Even after she had placed Samuel into the care of the prophet um, Eli, she still was a faithful, loving mom. Because every year, she, when she would visit, she'd made a robe this, that past year, a little robe, and she would take it up with her and her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, may the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. And then they would go home and, and we find that later she gave birth to three more additional sons and two daughters. And meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I sometimes wonder why, why did Hannah put up with all of the bullying and, and in what we would probably view as silence from God. I think a lot of the times people would probably get fed up and maybe even want to leave Elkanah. But yet she didn't. She was faithful and true. Faithfulness. And, and as I, I indicated before, Hannah was a praying woman. She prayed honestly with no abandon. She didn't hold anything back. In fact, in verse 11, she says, uh, of chapter 1, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and don't forget your servant, but give her a son, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be ever used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. 
And yet as, as she was praying, she wasn't speaking this prayer out loud. She was praying in her heart. The prophet Eli observes her mouth and what does he think? She, he doesn't hear anything. And auto, automatically he thinks, well, maybe she's drunk. And he says to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And Hannah responds with, not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. When was the last time you poured out your soul to the Lord? And interestingly enough, even it's sometimes uh, interesting where we can be pouring our soul out to the Lord and as we're going through life, and yet sometimes people misunderstand us. Have you ever been misunderstood? I think sometimes it's very frustrating, especially when people don't even uh, listen or ask, you know, how are things going in your life when it just seems like it's a wreck? Sometimes I find it's easy to be misunderstood, especially when there's no communication. But yet, Hannah responds, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I, I'm praying, I'm, I'm sharing my, my grief. Do not take, in fact, verse 16 says, don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying, out of, praying here out of my great anguish and grief. In his faithfulness of, of, of Hannah, she prays with abandon, with great anguish. She doesn't dance around with her problems with God. She's direct and she shares God. How often do we honestly sometimes even ask why God? Why am I in this position? Now, as we find uh, later in the story, she shares her only son with God. Because remember, uh, she, if, you, if, if God grants her a son, I will give him to the Lord for all of the days of his life. There would be a time where she would help wean him. And when he was ready, I don't know what age that was, maybe the age of four or five, she finally takes him and places his care into Eli, Eli's hands. Imagine wanting, praying for a son, and when you finally have your son, you take care of him for, for a period of time and then hand him over to another prophet. And you see your son one time a year. As a parent, as a mom or a dad, I, I know while you love your son, that, that's got to be heartbreaking. And yet Hannah was true to her promise. And so we find that after the, she has uh, Samuel, several years later, time goes by, they take him, they place him there. And when he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bowl, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine. When the bowl had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said, pardon me, Lord. She actually goes back to Eli and she says, pardon me, do you remember me? As surely as you live, I was the woman who stood beside you praying to the Lord, and I prayed for this very child. And the Lord has granted, and I asked of him. So now he gave him to the Lord, and for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, 
and he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah loved her son, but she as well was faithful and kept and true to the promise that she gave God. So what are some things that we can learn from Hannah? Number one, when God is silent, don't stop praying. Continue to pray. You may be praying for your son or your daughter, especially in a time of difficulty. Don't give up. You want God's blessing for your family. Don't stop praying. And yet desire and ask God, what's God's will for your life? And don't try to take things into your own hands. Be faithful. Listen. Let God lead. And yet sometimes we mistake God's silence for not listening to us. Sometimes God's silence is actually an answer because God desires what's best for our lives. When we try to take things into our own hands, trouble usually finds us. But if we're faithful, sometimes God's silence is an answer no, because maybe what we want for our own lives is actually a hindrance. Be patient. And finally, give everything to God. Your kids, your, your spouse, your job, everything that's in your life, give it to God. You know, I, I'm reminded as well, as I look back on my own life and as I see my parents um, and how they raised us, we're a very tight family growing up. Um, and I know, especially probably for my mom, uh, it was a challenge at some point, especially when I left for college, um, to have trust. Trusting in God that your son, your daughter, will be going forth and, and being in, in God's care. But you know, there's many times where you've had to trust God. That first day of school for kindergarten, uh, dropping them off at gymnastics or a friend's house for a sleepover. At some point, we have to trust God into their care. We can't control everything. It requires faith. But trust that the Lord will oversee them, care for them, and guide them. And as you, as you get older, your role perhaps will change from being a direct parent to more of a role as a mentor and a confidant when they're having challenges even with their own kids. But trust God with your kids. And not just with your kids, but your whole life. Trust God with your whole life. When we look at the Gospels as well, when we look at uh, how the disciples and even Jesus as well, they prayed. Jesus regularly took time to go away, to pray. And when he would pray, he would bear his soul to the Lord, especially uh, in Gethsemane. Right before he died, he honestly prayed to God. It, and he even asked, Lord, if there's any other way, but if not, Lord, I am willing, is what he essentially said. Prayer is vital. She, Hannah, she recognized, she ana, ana, sorry, agonized. She verbalized what was in her heart. And yet she still believed and was faithful. Life's not easy. Sometimes you're going to have challenges. And yet with God's grace, you can overcome. Hannah is a shining example of, of faithfulness, a, a woman who uh, is in many respects a hero, a praying woman. Her example of faithfulness and prayer is one that we 
should desire and to replicate. Hannah is, uh, is, is all, although a small, played a small part, her influence and her willingness to help out what seemed small was a big part in helping the work of God to continue. So may we follow Hannah's example. May we be faithful. May we be honest with God and pray a prayer, not a small prayer or a timid prayer, but an honest prayer. May God bless you, lead you, and guide you. Take care. Grace and peace. You know, even as a pastor, 15 years later, I sometimes forget to pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and love. Be with us today. Lord, in the midst of everything that's going on, Lord, calm our hearts, grant us wisdom, courage, and Lord, as well, may we love and may we do it well, Lord. Help us to be patient with the people at the grocery store. Uh, and when things are not going the way that we want, Lord, help us to be patient and to trust you. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.